capital. You look like you shouldn't be here. I shouldn't, but I'm your mentor. A rebel. I am going to get you out of here. You want to protect people. And it's essential to accept what human beings are. And what it takes to control them. Let's see you use that famous snow charm. And because this is the Hunger Games, there is a very fine line between prey and predator. Let's see if the songbird or the snake survives. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Motto and I'm here with my wife, Kimberly. We're glad you can join us. And today we're going to be returning to the arena after being reaped into watching the film, oh. The Hunger Games, <laughs> The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Oh, okay. And so then let's see if that arena holds the same gravitas as the prior two films. Two films? No. Three films? Four. four Technically films. it was four, right? Because they four. split uh, the, the, the last film, the they split into two pieces. Yes. So now if you haven't seen The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, you will be spoiled if you listen any further. Before we begin with news and movie facts, we wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Kindness Untamed. Visit their online store at www.kindnessuntamed.com and let them know that you heard of them through the Forever Fangirls podcast. Now, the biggest news, per The Hollywood Reporter, Mm. is that Beyonce's movie is actually her concert. I should say, is now saving the theaters once again. Uh, Well, not once again, because uh, apparently Napoleon and The Wish have, quote, fallen off a cliff, end quote. So, ooh, not good. Make sure that when you're wishing upon a star, you're not at the edge of a ledge. Ha! I like (laughs) what you did there. Right? (laughs) Um, But just so we can get into some facts and some... um, you know, details about the film, the production budget uh, currently, uh, as I found it, was $100 million. So you actually said the break-even mark is approximately $200 million. Yeah, it has to be double its budget to break even, apparently, because oh. of marketing and all of that. Honestly, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So the opening weekend numbers, uh, domestic was 44.6. Granted, these are all from Box Office Mojo. So they're like, I'm estimating and rounding up and or down. Gross was domestic at the time of this recording, 121. International was 122. And worldwide was around 244 million. Yep. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes, critics were 64%. Audience was 89%. Again, as of this airing. Okay. So here's the short summary from IMDb. I can't say his first name. Look, the story of Snow, years before he would become the tyrannical president of Pan Am. He is handsome and charming. And though the Snow family has fallen on hard times, Snow sees a chance for a change in his fortunes when he has chosen to be a member, mentor, excuse me, not a member, God forbid he's a member, a mentor for the 10th Hunger Games, only to have his elation dashed when he is assigned to mentor a girl tribute named Lucy Gray Baird from the impoverished District 12. All right, I'm going to go a little bit more in depth than the synopsis there. So the story is actually broken up into three parts, before the games, during, and after. And it shows how, I'm going to try this, Coralanius Snow, while part of the capital is actually outside it. So part one is where before the Hunger Games, how it sets him up. He lives with his grandmother and his cousin. They are really not doing well, right? Both his well, parents his father was murdered in the war. Right? In District 12. He has very big tie to District 12. So they were banking on Coralanius Cur- receiving an award um, so that they can get started on their prosperity. But he's thwarted by the 
I'm going to call him the headmaster because I don't know what else to Peter call him. Peter Dinklage's character. Yes. Okay. He is hellbent on Snow not getting anything ever. And you know, we will get into why that is. So Tigress actually is acting as his conscience because she wants him to realize that the tributes are people just like they are. Mm-hmm. Right? They're struggling. So she's trying to make a connection to help Cornelius. I'm calling him Cornelius. Just call him Snow. Snow. Okay. <laughs> To help Snow actually win this, because if he wins it, then they also get out of their their situation and the poverty. So he then forms this connection with Lucy Gray, who is the District 12 tribute, and falls in love with her. And so he does everything in his power to help her, even cheats for her, so that she becomes the eventual victor of the 10th Hunger Games. Okay, you put a pin in that? I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. So when he is found out that he cheated on behalf of his tribute, Snow is then exiled, banished to the districts as a peacekeeper. He was first assigned to District 8, and then he, with his last money, actually bribed the officer to say, no, send me to 12, because he wants to know what happened to Lucy Gray. And so that's now part three of this whole thing where... It unfolds that he does reconnect with Lucy Gray. They form a relationship. His best friend follows him all there. Sejanus. Sejanus, yes. And this is where it gets kind of convoluted because Sejanus wants to help the people in District 12 to revolt. Mm -hmm. And Snow tells his best friend, if you do this, you will implicate me. And so he's trying to now walk this tight line and eventually decides, okay, you know what? I'm going to leave everything behind and I'm just going to go with Lucy. But what happens is Snow is, is Snow, right? He, he, he End result, he turns his back on his buddy because he doesn't want his family back home, Tigress and his grandma, to face anything. So he sends a Jabber J back with all of the information from the conversation. Right. And then he doesn't tell Lucy that he did that. Right. And then it ends up that uh, Sejanus is now implicated and uh, charged with treason. He is killed by hanging. And Snow is trying to hide all of this from Lucy, but couldn't. Lucy figured it out. And so he now tries to kill Lucy. He meaning Snow. And once that... Oh, gosh. (laughs) Lucy was able to distract Snow by the Mockingjays by singing the song Hanging Tree. Mm -hmm. And so then she escapes. He, Snow, is called back to the Capitol and is basically pardoned. Dr. Gall, who is the, uh, the game master, takes him under her wing and teaches him everything that she knows. Mm -hmm. While all of this is happening... Sejanus's family, who is very wealthy and unaware of Snow's betrayal, betrayal there, gave him their fortune. And that is how he became a powerful, rich person in the capital. As the last scene unfolds, we actually find out why the headmaster didn't want Snow to have anything. Because the headmaster and Snow's father were best friends. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the headmaster actually, as a joke, said, why don't we create the Hunger Games? Snow's father took that and made it a terrible reality. And so the headmaster has been guilt-ridden this whole time. And trying to get rid of it. And trying to get rid of it. And I'm just going to say, I'm so sorry. The film was two plus hours, so my wife just did an amazing little breakdown 
but I'm so sorry that it, it's a long, uh, it's just a lot. It's a lot. It's a, There's a lot of things happening. All right. We're going to attempt to go into the good. Yes. <laughs> um, in full transparency, though, I'm going to be clear here. We did not read the book. Apparently, this is a book. Yes. And, the bestseller. Oh, it is, it's a bestseller mm-hmm. book. And before then, we were flipping channels on cable and all of a sudden came across Catching Fire. So we had to watch the original on streaming without commercials mm-hmm. before we went to the theater. Yes. So we wanted to touch up on what we already knew. I'm just going to start off and just say simply, Viola Davis and Peter Dinklage, given what they were given, steal the movie for me. Oh, yeah. I was like enthralled every time they were on screen. I'm never going to look at Viola Davis the same way. She was creepy. Terrified me. Mm. Uh, for me, Rachel Zegler. Rachel Ziegler or Zegler? I, I apologize for... Zegler. Okay, I, apologies if we're saying it incorrectly. She has a beautiful voice. Very much so. You know, as soon as she started singing and humming The Hanging Tree, it was an earworm. It was just stuck in my head the whole night. Um, I liked meeting Tigress before all of the uh, plastic surgery. Yes. And knowing that she really was a very empathetic and she just had a, a good heart. They were in the terrible situation Mm -hmm. and she was trying to pull snow into her light if i may use that analogy i mean she even said when he would he would mention i'm just like my father and she's like you're nothing like him Uh your eyes have kindness and caring and compassion and at the time his head hate yes and at the time when she would be talking about this you could just see that she was supposed to be the heart Uh and knowing that she was trying to hold on to humanity while he was losing it. Yeah. was very interesting because that referred back to, I think it was Mockingjay Part 2, where we get introduced to Tigress after all of the plastic surgeries because she has a place for them to hide and helps yeah. them get into uh, the, the, capital. the main mm-hmm. area of the capital. Yeah. And she says, yes, I was his friend until I outlived my usefulness. Yeah. And I didn't realize that friend meant, oh, cousin, like really close. Mm-hmm. They were family. Relationship, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was an interesting side to see. Mm-hmm. What other things? Let's see. I actually did like that they did explain some of the things from the original trilogy, like the Jabberjays. Apparently, they were a a failed experiment, but it worked to their advantage for wartime. Yeah, for wartime. So I'm like, oh, okay. So that's how they started. You know, hearing the the Mockingjays, the explanation mm-hmm. of you know from Lucy Gray over where they are and what they do. I mean, you you hear it in the movies of of from Rue, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to see where it started. Right. The thing for me that I really gravitated to was when they were at the lake and one of Lucy Gray's nephews or family members or gave Lucy a Katniss plant. They call it really a swamp potato, but it's actually something that can nourish you if you find it. And even in the original film, Katniss's father actually said, if you find yourself, you will never grow hungry because you can find the Katniss plant wherever, right? And cook potatoes and all of that and yay, food. It's interesting to me that is where snow was first exposed to Katniss. And then it is the one person that actually brings his demise. And she also exposed him to Mockingjays, which she then uses to bring about his demise. Mm. Yeah. And I know that the you have notes here that the Katniss plant is also known as an arrowhead, perhaps in reference to Katniss Everdeen's archery skills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 
slightly into the bad here. Okay. And I know I normally don't do this. The arrowhead is one thing. Calling it Katniss and Swamp Potato, it, it seemed so silly and forced and also in some way insulting, no matter what they meant by it. But this was well into the movie and you're giving me these contrived lines. See, I, I had a different reaction. Yeah, I just, I thought it was dumb. It just made me think of the first film. We've already got these great things like the Jabberjays, the Mockingjay, the Hanging Tree song, the explanation of that, mm. how she actually, Lucy Gray wrote it. That is amazing. That is great depth. It creates a definite connection to the trilogy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it a trilogy, even though the... Tetralogy. I'm calling it a trilogy, <laughs> even though the last movie was two. It does connect it. In greater detail, because Uh it adds layers that the original books and the the original movies do already have. So it's just adding another layer of foundation. Mm. When you do this other thing and trying to frivolously connect a swamp potato to Katniss Everett, it was not necessary. I think that that connection was already there. It was not necessary. Even though you're bringing up everything else connection wise, if you find yourself, you'll never starve. I never took it as the Katniss potato. I always took that as if you find yourself, you'll never starve. Because if you have faith in yourself, if you find yourself, if you have confidence in yourself, you will always find a way to survive. And that is a double meaning there. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we're going to have to just we're gonna agree, agree to, to disagree. disagree. On that one. Yeah. Because Katniss's father named her that, right? So he so. named her after a swamp potato. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like this: you have this amazing, powerful female character that you have now basically ground down to a swamp potato and katniss's sister primrose is a flower she's a flower a beautiful flower that they then replant so that she's always with them or a swamp potato i can't it's it's a frivolous demoralization of a character that you've built up and made amazing it's it's silly okay um, going back to the point of the Hanging Tree song, mm-hmm. the song in the first three films actually did stick in my head. But now knowing the history behind it, it even sank uh, even more. Lucy Gray wrote it about an innocent man who was hung because he killed three. It describes perfectly the betrayal of Snow, just Janus. And so that but Janus wasn't innocent in her mind, maybe, but... Again, there's two sides to that. But he didn't kill them. He didn't kill the three, right? (laughs) Snow did. Snow is the reason the three people hung because the one woman was connected to the man who was hung earlier, Serjanus and the other person that was in the rebel flee, that that, that they had the whole plan thing. Snow was responsible for killing the mayor's daughter, somebody else, and Serjanus. Mm-hmm. Then for the three people that are hanging is because they had uncovered the plot. They found the bodies. So she was blaming him for the three people that were hanging, if I'm understanding correctly. And to me, that doesn't necessarily fly because Sejanus wasn't innocent. The other guy wasn't innocent. The only one who was truly innocent who was there was the wife of a guy who had no connection to anything. Mm. Who screamed murderer to them. Yeah. Again, I guess we're going to agree to disagree. We just, it's a different perspective, yes. that's all. And the point still remains that the song is very haunting. And yes. it still sticks in my head. Are you? Please are don't. You? We don't, no, stop, 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 stop. We don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> um, so we're going to go by themes, if you're ready to do that. Sure. So I would say trust and empathy, because um, Tigress specifically, 
with her uh, ability to empathize, you know, with the tributes and trying to guide Snow to be more compassionate and more of a Uh human being, Uh you know, and to see the tributes as people to the point of where he actually shows up to the train. And just as a a side note here, they've actually shown us this is the 10th annual Hunger Games. It's like a cargo train where there are only boxcars and they're shoved into the Uh boxcars. The arena is literally just an open arena, like I'd say a basketball type arena, you Uh know, no chairs, no court. And they just throw them in there with weapons and watch them kill each other. Yeah, it's like, you know, having a rotary telephone versus your cell phone now. Yeah, and the ratings are plummeting. Nothing is going well. And Snow writes this huge thing about how to make it better and, and what ideas he has to make the games more of a spectacle where people actually watch. Right. And in doing so, the headmaster is now kind of up the creek because he was enjoying the ratings plummeting because if the ratings continued to plummet, they weren't going to do it anymore. Correct. So because of snow, we have all the way up to the 75th annual Hunger Games. Yeah. For me, the biggest theme here and that we've we've been talking about it this whole time is betrayal and the thirst for power. Tigress wanted to help Snow to be successful as the mentor, like what we were saying, but he ended up turning away from this and embraced power instead because he wanted the fortune. He wanted the fame, having to manipulate everybody so that they they did what he wanted them to do is very intoxicating. It is. I mean, he, and he also lies the entire time about you know, his clothing and his where he lives and, and the food he eats. Like, he doesn't eat. He mm. saves his meals for his gram. Mm-hmm. Um, Tigress made his shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, they were doing what they needed to do to survive. Yeah. Granted, they were at the Capitol, so it wasn't like they were in District 12. No, but like you said, they were on the outside mm-hmm. looking in. Like, all their colleagues, their friends all had money, all had everything, to the point of where, at the end, Viola Davis's character goes, you're, you're going to the university. It's like, I can't afford it. And that's when she says, yeah, well, you're now the heir, the heir. Yep. to Sejanus's parents' fortune because you were such a good friend and you were there for him and I didn't throw you under the bus. Yeah, which is why they became very entwined. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And yeah, and then I know that we had talked about the Lucy Gray asking Snow not to lie to her, but she did anyway. And with that, I think we are going to go into the bad. <laughs> I'm gonna go to, I have so many record scratches. I don't know which ones I... Hit. Yeah. So I'm going to start by saying that even with all of the good that we had just discussed, mm-hmm. it really is, to me anyway, compared to the original three, original four, is very flat. There's really no emotional connection for me. I was like you going, okay, when am I going to feel something for these characters? And I just didn't. I did not want to be in the crosshairs of Viola Davis's character. No. But, you know, like we already mentioned, I was really looking forward to seeing Peter Dinklage on screen. I felt bad for him mm-hmm. when he was killed. By snow, with by poison. Snow, with poison, which is his trademark. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more with you. I literally couldn't stop looking at my watch. Mm-hmm. I love the books, The Hunger Games. I love the movies. There was depth. There was emotional ties. There was development. And it felt like they tried to shove that entire trilogy into one movie and make me care. Um, The script felt thin Mm -hmm. and empty and lifeless. And 
emotionless. Like you, you show me these tributes and I'm supposed to care for them. And the only tribute I cared for, they showed maybe once or twice on screen because she was a young girl with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm like, oh, no. And what? it was supposed to show the depravity of the situation. Mm-hmm. But instead, you didn't give me enough of her and enough of Lucy Gray trying to help anybody other than the individual from her district who was suffering from rabies from a bat bite from the train that it was like, whatever. It was such a great idea that it felt the script and the film felt like a waste of two hours and something minutes of my time. Yeah, as you were talking about that, I was actually remembering a time when I was reading the first book and I was on the train. And when I got to the scene where Rue died, I was actually crying on the train. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, people are going to think that I'm crazy here, like just bawling my eyes out. Um, but where was there Rue? Or even Primrose. Again, just taking that first film. Mm. We were so invested in the first like 30 minutes or mm-hmm. so that when Prim gets called and tucks in her little ducktail, mm-hmm. we are invested. Mm-hmm. When she volunteers and screams, I volunteer as tribute, we are invested. Right. In this case, when Lucy Gray gets selected, she starts screaming at everybody and singing to them and telling them off because the mayor's daughter ensured that she was going in. Yeah. But there was no emotional tie to her to make me look at that anger and not go, I don't understand. Right. And then to see everybody be enamored with her because she's singing, it was an interesting attempt. It didn't work for me. Yeah. Because when you've given me high-end, excellent quality stuff, you really need to be careful when you give me a prequel because I already have a foundation. You have the expectation, yeah. And I'm just going to go back to one of my little record scratches, and I think this is where you and I disagree a lot, is we are literally led to believe at the very beginning that Lucy Baird's going to lie to Snow, manipulate Snow, and survive the Hunger Games. And that's going to be her trajectory. He says he fell in love with her. He says he sees her like a human. He shows up with a white rose, this whole thing. And maybe that's supposed to be the connection with the white rose and why he now sends it to people he considers enemies. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem I have. They use at the very end when the screen goes black, Donald Sutherland's voice saying, it's the things we love most that destroy us. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's a trying to have another continuity line that was unnecessary. But for me, the entire film sets Lucy Gray up to be a manipulative, evil villain female. So once again, a bad guy who murders and slaughters people is only bad Because a woman used him, a woman manipulated him, a woman lied to him, a woman attacked him with a snake, and then a woman left him. And in order to do that, she says, you lied to me, Snow, without saying it. But yet, she has witnessed him with Sir Janus constantly. She has witnessed him cheat for her. She has witnessed him do all of these things for her. And for his family to protect everybody. So he has done what he needed to do to survive, even though that meant hurting his best friend because he knew if it got back to the Capitol or something happened, his grandmother could be slaughtered because it's guilt by association. Yeah. And Lucy's saying, well, you're not being honest, so I'm going to like totally abandon you and turn you in and burn you. I literally walked out angrier at the film 
because of how they presented a woman destroyed him. Therefore, he can destroy everybody else. And now he's this total evil villain. Tigress even looks at his eyes at the end and only sees hate, you know, and she is part of all of this manipulation and she blames him for everything, which it's not the same strength female character that you gave me for three books and four movies. And you've now basically said man bad because woman bad. I can't really disagree with any of those points. But the story in the film had to be based on the book. And because I've not read the book, I don't understand where the the impetus for what you just described came from, right? You know what kills me, though? If it's what you love most that destroys you. I could see his grandmom turning him in. I could see Tigress betraying him. I could see his best friend betraying him. I could even see him falling in love and someone at District 12 killing that person he loved or destroying somebody is a rebel, her dying because of rebels. Do you see where I'm going? There could have been a this different whole way, but they had to have the arena. She's a rebel. She's going to do what she needs to survive. He is learning from the outside looking in. He's going to do what he needs to survive. But she made him? Or maybe the, the point is that Snow was already falling on that path, right? He was already following that path. And this was just the straw that broke his back. Do you feel, having watched the film, that the connection between Snow and Lucy Gray was strong enough to be the straw that broke the back? Insofar as that I don't think Snow is a very strong person. He's a very evil and manipulative person. But I'm not negating that. I'm not negating that. I agree with you on that. What I'm asking you is, do you think the film, how it presented the information to us, earned the right to have her betray him and end up creating him? No, no, I do not. There was no payoff for me. And maybe if they did it a different way, like you were suggesting, that it could have been. But again, because I did not read the book, I don't know if it totally follows the book or if they took creative licensing, right? So we will just have to wait and see. I mean, I'm interested in reading the book just to see. But if it followed the book, that's extraordinarily disappointing. Mm. Okay, so I think that does it for us because there's no cute here that I can think of. I mean, the cutest part was you waiting around for an after credit scene because we're so trained seals. <laughs> yeah, we are. There but, you go. Talking about the movie specifically. Uh, no. no. Um, I mean, we saw it in 40X, so shout out to Regal because that's really fun. Yeah. But it, I will say the cute was watching the Aquaman trailer with the 40X seats because it shoots water at you. Aquaman's underwater. Yeah. Um, but... I was more talking about the cute in this film, not of the trailer. So um, we can safely say. (laughs) Anyway, that is our discussion, (laughs) folks, of The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Now it's time for our Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, 1.5 stars. And is this a flop or not? Well, if we're going by the box office numbers thus far, it is actually a profitable movie because it made $244 million or something like that. However, as we've been discussing, it didn't have the same emotional gravitas as the original trilogy or tetralogy. And I flat out didn't care for it. 
the emotional punchlines just weren't earned. And so there was no connection there for me, just as what Kimberly mentioned earlier. Aside from Viola Davis and Peter Dinklage, I enjoyed the singing of Rachel Zegler and seeing how Hunter Schaefer, the actress who played Tigress, how she was prior to Snow's tyranny. I, I really did enjoy knowing her backstory. But I can do without the rest and would rather rewatch the original films again. Yeah. It's interesting to me because this film was deemed to have a better opening than the Marvels. Mm. And I, it, it did. Numerically, mm-hmm. it did. But because I am a Marvel fan and I like Captain Marvel and because that's what I know mm-hmm. and considering it's come out you know, recently to the film, I think it's only fair we sort of compare basic stuff. Mm-hmm. If we're referring to the story, while both are thin, the Marvels has emotional connection because the three actresses within it have more to work with. Yep. There's no emotion or connection or rooting for either person in this Hunger Games prequel. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you have a film about the creation of this villainous president that we all wanted to watch get an arrow in the chest at the end of Mockingjay Part 2 and, and to see Coin rise up and then Katniss takes her out because Snow will die. We know he's dying. Mm-hmm. He's sick. And then the people kill him anyway. Mm-hmm. We know all of this. And Katniss gives up everything to protect the districts and the people of Pen Am. Mm-hmm. When you have that and you give me this, you make Snow a whiny, snivelly, weak person instead of this powerful, manipulative person who she was afraid of. Katniss Everdeen shivered when she would see white roses. She screamed when they bombed 13 with the white roses and she said, I can't, they're going to hurt PETA. I can't, I can't, I yeah. can't. She put family, chosen family, friends first. And you give me this to show how he was created? So a girl broke his heart. Well, Seriously? Again, maybe that's all it takes because he's a weak man. I would rather sit through the Marvels over and over again, even though they're fighting probably one of the most thinly developed evil villains then sit through this long, bloated, overwhelming, bad film riding on the name of its predecessor. So tell us how you really feel. I think the amazing cast was wasted. And mm. I think this has done a disservice to what was already created. Yeah. And again, maybe the book is different. Maybe the book has more details that we don't know about. But just the film, it's rated worse than Cats for us. And we give Cats pity stars because of, you know, Taylor Swift and Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. So think about that. We don't rate films this bad. Yeah. But again, we have very high expectations because the first Which is why I say were really we, good. This is not a thing for us. Yes. We always try to find goodness in something and there's just nothing redeemable about this film to me. Yeah. So I, I do think that's going to be our show for today, folks. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> um, as always, we really appreciate you tuning in, especially I apologize to our lowest rated movie ever so far. Mm-hmm. In our 90, this is episode 99. Wow. Wow. Um, the Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. If you do want to reach out to us here at Forever Fangirls, you can go to our website. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail there. You can use our contact form for email, our socials. You can subscribe, leave a review, all the fun stuff. And please, if you have seen this movie, I would really love to know what you thought of it because I think maybe I'm, I missed it. Maybe mm. I missed the point of it. Maybe the movie's not for me and I would love to hear from you. And that said, until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, it may be the things we love most that destroy us, but without true and pure love, 
were nothing but primal monsters. 